0: We exist to bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus. That's why Blessed Hope Community Church exists in this place, to bring a hurting world the hope of Jesus Christ, right? And we do that, right, by by being intentional. And one of the things that's frustrating to me, and and, and maybe it's true about Blessed Hope, although I think we do a good job, and I want to encourage us to keep doing a good job. Uh, but we're not immune to it, and the church as a whole, especially in, in this culture, isn't immune to it. But one of the things that happens is the Christians hide. And I don't think they do it intentionally. I don't think we do it intentionally. I, I think it's just a byproduct of a false belief that we've bought into that says our faith is our business. Your faith is your business, and my faith is private. Private. Right, And part of that is true. We get that, right? Because it feels demonstrative. It feels bad to make sure that everybody knows what I believe, right? To to make that the focus. But the problem is, we're either right or we're wrong. It's either true or it's not. Hell is real, or we're, we're kidding ourselves. Jesus Christ is the one and only way to be saved, or we're confused. But I've read the Bible really carefully, right? And I've logic it out the best way that my finite mind can do it. And I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus Christ was not wrong when he said, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. No one, no one gets to the Father unless they go through me. Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. And if that's true, it is true. Since that's true, our faith can't be private. Think about what's at stake. You're like, I'll do me, you do you. It doesn't matter. What do you mean it doesn't matter? Hell is real. It matters. Our faith can't be private. Now, our faith can't be nasty. Some of you need to take a, a, after you've had a good eight hours sleep, like I mean a solid good eight hours of sleep. Don't do this when you're grouchy. If you're a coffee drinker, have your cup of coffee. If it's breakfast, have it, right? Get yourself good and centered. And then if you've got social media, scroll through your own feed back a good six months. Christianity isn't nasty. It doesn't call names. It doesn't hurt people intentionally. It doesn't take unnecessary pokes and jabs. That's not what our faith is about. Our faith is about the gospel. Our faith is about... Hope our faith is about saving people from hell, right? Our faith is about this transformation that exists in us that that we want to have other people experience because we were dead and now we are alive. They are dead and we want them to be alive. We, listen, we got to be careful. Go ahead and, and, and click on the PowerPoint there, and we're going to jump right in with song. <laughs> listen, I love to sing, but I don't love to lead singing. So that is not going to happen, right? And you know what I'm talking about, right? We sat close to each other and she had to hear it. <laughs> Ultimately, too many Christians, um, so I'm going to use this example and, and I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to tell you this is true for you. I'm going to ask you to, to really give it an honest assessment and decide I need to pay, So I got to get that out of the way. I gotta ask you to, to assess this and see if it's true for you. We're like the moon, right? We have no glory of our own. We have no good works of our own. Everything we do reflects the Father. Everything we do reflects the Father. It's His glory, it's His work, we do it. Right? So when we do well, we are fully reflecting, like a full moon, we are fully reflecting the majesty and the glory of God. More often than not, we aren't reflecting anything. And then unfortunately, we take moments where we're where like a crescent. We're just a little sliver, and we feel really good about that. And I feel really good about faith in action, but this is like a crescent. Right? You're like, oh, we shined brightly as a full moon reflecting God's glory. Yeah, yeah, collectively we did okay. And that's important. But individually, it's our responsibility to shine brightly, to fully reflect God's glory. That's what we're supposed to be about. Right? Here's how Paul tells the church in Corinth. We've been studying 1 Corinthians. This is what he tells tells them in his his, uh, follow-up letter to them. He says, Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It's carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. Paul is saying, Clearly, Right? When people look at you, you are clearly an open letter from the God of the universe. You are clearly reflecting the glory of God. You are a full moon shining brightly that everybody can see. It is clear as day, as night. My analogy fell apart. It's clear. It's just clear. Since that's what it is. Clearly you are a letter from Christ. How? Well, your life adds up you aren't a Christian that hides it away. You aren't somebody that says, well, my faith is private. It's my business. But clearly you are a letter from Christ. Clearly you are about him and his business and his work. And the way you deal with your finances and your generosity, clearly you belong to Christ. You are a letter from Christ. In, in the way you manage your time, your most precious resource that you have, clearly, you are a letter from Christ. In your relationships, in the way that you have patience and you bend over backwards and you, and you reach out in faith to help people and to connect with people, clearly, you are a letter from Christ. In the decision making and the things you choose to do or not do, the things you engage in, the things you get away from, clearly. You're a letter from Christ. So 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 Paul says this this very clear statement to the church in Corinth, and it needs to be true for us as well. That clearly we are a letter from Christ. What this means is that your Christianity cannot be a lifestyle that you pick. It's your identity. Listen, I'm a Cubs fan. It's a lifestyle choice. And there are times in my life that it's been hard. And there are other times it's been spectacular, like last night when they beat the Cardinals. It was a good choice. That's a lifestyle, right? That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is an identity. Are you identified with Christ or not? And if you are identified with Christ, then this statement is true for you. If you are identified with Christ, then you are clearly a letter from Christ. Showing the result of the ministry that's happened, right? The ministry before, the ministry present. You are a letter clearly showing the results of the ministry, right? It says this letter is is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. This is written on your hearts, And when you think letter, here's the reality. This is not like an email that you send somebody. This isn't a cursory thing, right? But it's heartfelt. It's meaningful. It's something that's supposed to stick. It's a handwritten, meaningful sentiment. I I was um, watching Haley struggle, and it was kind of fun. Not because she was struggling, so that came out wrong. But I was watching Haley struggle to write this card to this woman that they were going to serve whose, whose husband had just passed, who was newly widowed, who was trying to figure out how to navigate this. Um, and, and I watched Haley struggle with, what do I say? What do I say? Good luck. God bless. No that wasn't enough. I'm rooting for you. That wasn't enough, right? I watched her struggle to pour this out, and, and what came out was just a heart of, I don't know you, but I love you. And, 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 and I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what your life looks like, but I know that God loves you, and I know that he wants us to love you on his behalf, That's what ended up coming out of of this letter that she wrote, right? This is what we are. We are letters, right, that God has written. Think epistle. Ultimately, here's the reality. You are the first, maybe even the only, Bible that some people are going to read. If you are a letter from Christ... They're not necessarily opening up the Bible. Before they ever get to the Bible, you are an open letter of Christ. The way you interact, the way you act, the things you say, the things you do, the heart that you display, that is the first, that is the first gospel that somebody is ever going to have to deal with before they ever open this. And just like any other Bible, there are going to be good translations and there are going to be bad translations. And if you are hard to get along with and your attitude is poor and you're grouchy and grumpy or you do things that don't reflect the glory of God, if you gossip and spread rumors, if you tell tales, if you put down instead of build up people that disagree with you, then ultimately you are a poor translation, but you're still a letter from Christ. See, this is the thing that we have to understand. When you do it poorly, you are still speaking for God. When you do it well, you are still speaking for God. When you call yourself a Christian, you are either speaking for God in a way that is good, or you are speaking for God in a way that is negative. And you've got to be careful. And you've got to be careful. You've got to decide, is this real? And if it's real, then what am I about? And this is written on your heart, right? This isn't something, this is foundational. This isn't something that just can, can shift in the wind. But he says, this is written on your heart. It's not carved in stone. It's not written on paper. It's who you are. And I'm going to challenge you here for a second. Is it who you are? I venture to say Yes right? We just spent as a body. And if you participated in Faith in Action, that's awesome. If you had to miss out this year, look, there's no hard feelings. Uh, some of you participated through prayer. I know you did. You must have, with the way that things went, you participated through prayer. Many of you were able to donate and, and give supplies and things that would help the, uh, the mission that we were doing. Like, we, even those that couldn't participate, participated, and I know that. Right? So, so, as a church as a body we collectively just participate in this mission so i know that it's true for us i know that it's true for us but but how does it move forward because if it's carved in our hearts then it's the reality and it ought to come out it ought to permeate things it ought to it ought to flow we were at uh, gosh it was day 2 And I got to go check this. You're going to love this. I got to go with the skilled carpentry group. (laughs) So like right up till then, I thought, man, Deb and Sue, they are rocking this thing. They are well organized. This is running smoothly. There have been no hiccups and then I said, "Where will I scrape and paint today? Because that's in my bailiwick. That's in my wheelhouse. That's what I can do. Where can I scrape and paint?" And they were like, "No, no, no, no! no. You're going to go with Nate." I was like, "Oh, what's he doing? He's the skilled carpentry group." Score. Listen to me. I held stuff. I used a saw. I only forgot to put the glasses on once and got stuff in my eyes that Tim had to get out for me. I spent a good half hour trying to get a two by four in a spot. And when I finally had it, Nate looked at it and he said, you know what, let's take that down. He said, maybe if we do it this way it'll be better. And it was, and I did eventually get it up. And I don't think he took it down after I left. (laughs) That's what I got to do on, on Friday. The only reason I share that with you is because here, here's the, here's the reality. Um, That what I got to witness from, from Nate was just a complete openness to be an open letter from Jesus Christ to this gentleman that we were working for. This very confused gentleman who loves God, kind of, and wants to be a good person and wants you to love God in whatever way you want to as long as you're sincere because ultimately it's all going to work out in the end. And I got to hear Nate be an open letter from Christ that said, "You know what? Jesus is more than that. Jesus is more than that. It's not enough. It's not enough to just be a good person, right? Because you can't be a good person. You can't ultimately be a good person that God is okay with. You need Jesus." right? And I got to hear Nate just open and share his heart, and it was simple, right And, and, and I'd love to tell you that, that 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 Nate was talking to a guy that fell on his knees and said, "Okay, then I repent, where should I go be baptized?" It didn't quite play out that way, but the truth was shared, seeds were planted, books were brought, follow-up will, be, will happen. like I, I mean, I don't know how that'll end, but I, I, I know I, I know that when we do our part, God will do his part. But we are an open letter for Christ that has to be ready. What are we ready for? Well, simply, we're we're ready to be able to give a reason for the hope that we have. Here's what Peter says. Worship Christ as Lord of your life, and when you worship Christ as Lord of your life, somebody will ask. When you are genuinely, openly, unapologetically living a life that is clearly centered on God, that is etched on our human hearts, the Holy Spirit of God, and we worship God and we live that life, somebody is going to ask. You are going to have the opportunity. God is not going to waste your life when you are living it that way. And somebody is going to ask you, and if somebody asks you about the hope that you have as a believer, here's what Peter says, you always be ready to explain it. Always be ready to explain it. And the hope that you have as a believer is not complicated, it's not theological, it's not rooted in confusing doctrine. The hope that you have is Jesus. There's not more that you need to know to be able to share the gospel with people. There's not more that you need to know to be able to talk to people about your faith. The hope that you have is Jesus. You don't have to be able to explain deep theological concepts. Although, if you want to talk to Nate about the, the Trinity, he'll tell you about his car and what makes it go and what makes it a car. And it's kind of a fun little conversation that I got to hear. But you don't have to have deep theological training. You don't have to be able to answer all of the hypocrisies in the church because that's people's number one argument is, yeah, but what about all the hypocrisy in the church? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. And that bothers me too. But here's what I know. I know that Jesus changed my life. That's the reason for the hope that I have. It's the reason for the hope that you have, and you need to be ready to explain it. Yeah, I get it. I get that it's confusing. I get that it can be hard. And we could explore that together. but, But let me just tell you the reason that I have hope is because of Jesus. That's it. Because Jesus changed me. Because I was dead. Man, and now I'm alive. And my life was pointless. And now it has purpose. And I was destined for an eternity in hell. But now I am destined for an eternity in heaven with God forever. Like, that's the reason I have hope. That's all you have to be ready to do. And when you live that life, you will have the opportunity. And when the opportunity comes, Peter says, you must always be prepared to give a reason for the hope that you have. Be like the woman at the well. You remember in John 4, the woman at the well... You know, everybody hated her. She was on like dude number five. She had been married and divorced. She had probably had affairs that caused divorces. And currently she was living with somebody outside of wedlock. Nobody liked her. That's why she was at the well by herself in the middle of the day, not with everybody else in the morning. Nobody wanted to talk to her. Nobody wanted to listen to her. Certainly nobody wanted to take her advice. But when she met Jesus... There was something so compelling about that, that what does she do? She runs to town and she tells everybody, you have got to come and meet this man. And she was so compelling about telling them that Jesus is changing her life, right? That what did they do? Even though they hated her, they ran back with her. Be ready to give a reason For the hope that you have. And then here's how he follows this up because he knows that we suck. But don't be a jerk. I mean, that's not what it says, but it's what it says. Don't be a jerk. Do it in a gentle and respectful way, keep your conscience clear. What does it mean to keep your conscience clear? Well, do it in a gentle and respectful way. Keeping your conscience clear. Basically meaning that you aren't pushing people away from Jesus because you're a jerk. Man, there are a lot of Christian jerks. And they are not doing Jesus any good. Right? Right? When we are hypocrites, when we say we got that joy, joy, joy way down in our heart while we act bitter and angry, right? That doesn't draw any, instead what it says is I don't know what they got, but I don't want it, right? When, when we gossip and spread rumors and talk about people that we're supposed to love, we're like, I don't know what that is, but, but I don't want any part of that. You know, when we spit anger and vitriol at people that have different beliefs than we do, right? Well, they're not anybody I want to be a part of. Like, this is a problem, and, and, and it's not new. This always existed. This is why Peter says, yes, be reason, be, be ready to give a reason for the hope that you have. The hope you have is Jesus, but do it gently. Do it Respectfully keep your conscience clear. Don't be a stumbling block to somebody that needs to know Jesus. Don't be a reason people never get to Jesus because they saw you were standing there and they turned around and walked away. They don't want anything to do with you, so they turn around and they walk away and they never get to Jesus. That's a problem. Peter says, don't do that. In this instance, be like Matthew. Be like Matthew. You Read Luke 5. Matthew is a tax collector. He is awful. All of his friends are awful. Jesus says, Matthew, you're going to follow me. And and Matthew says, yes, I'm in. I surrender. Jesus, you have changed my life. What does he do? He throws a party. Who does he invite? All of his sinner, awful friends. Can you imagine what the invitation said? You're gross and you're terrible. And you're going to, you're, you're, you're doing it all wrong and you're awful but hey, come to my party and meet Jesus. No, man, that's not what his invitation said. His invitation said, you guys, I met this guy and he changed my life. And I just want you to know who he is. Would you just come and meet my friend Jesus? That was the invitation. He was ready to give a reason for the hope that he had in a respectful, Gentle way, so that his conscience could be clear. Friends, this is what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with encouragement that you are, whether you know it or not, you are actively representing the God of the universe and the one He sent. Second Corinthians five tells us that as Christians, we are ambassadors of God that we speak for him when we tell people that Jesus is real, that there is a God in heaven who is no longer counting people's sins against them because Jesus died on the cross. That's your job. That's why we exist. That's why we practice faith in action so that we can get good at figuring out how our action right, can marry to our faith, and it doesn't have to happen in those three days. So, as we go, in an effort to make you take this more seriously, because that's my job as a pastor, right? Right? This isn't just things we talk about on Sunday, right? We had this great experience, and, and, and we were involved in one way, shape, or form, and now Our job is to go and figure out what it means to live this kind of life, to clearly be a a letter from Christ, to reflect God's glory in all of its fullness, and to be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have in a gentle and respectful way, right? And, And part of that is you need to be intentional, this isn't private. Your faith isn't private. It's public. You need to be intentional. And In an effort to help you, um, I'm going to ask the ushers to stand at the doors on the way out. And they're going to give you one of these. We've talked about these before, but I don't know that anybody really took one. And so we're going to try again. And if you already took one, take another one. It's cool. That just means you've got six people to pray for. But I got one of these in my wallet, and, and you can have one too. It's this last slide. This is what it looks like on the outside. Pray invest, and invite. And on the back are three lines for you to write. Three names. Three names of of people that God has put on your heart that you need to pray for, for their salvation, for their life in Jesus, because hell is real. And you need to invest the time in building the relationship and giving a reason for the hope. And then when the time is right and the Holy Spirit prompts you, you need to invite them into that relationship, whether it's inviting them to church, inviting them personally to know Jesus, whatever that looks like. So the ushers are gonna give you one of these on your way out, and I'd like you to take it and consider what names you need to put on it. And if you honestly don't have three names of three people that don't know Jesus, fix it. Fix it. Go find some people that don't know Jesus and and start to pray and invest and invite them into that relationship. I'm hoping you do. I'm hoping you have those relationships, But, but if you don't, I get it, but fix it. And when you have names on this list, if you're comfortable, I want to know who they are. Because as elders and as staff, we would love to be praying for those names and for you, um, and your relationship with them as you work to pray and invest and invite. We take this seriously, uh, and, and we're asking you to do that as well. I'm going to pray for us and close us. Um, I want to tell you with all sincerity, good job. I am, if it doesn't sound too trite, then let me add I'm proud of you um, because this is, this is important things that we've done, and it's a catalyst for what needs to be done. Heavenly Father, God, we love you and praise you, and we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for the work that you've done. We thank you for the blessing that faith and action has been to us as a body and to those in our community. We thank you for, for uh, the example that we've seen from those that we've worked with. And, and God, we thank you for the example that we got to be to those that worked with us. We thank you for all of the blessings that you've poured out on us. We thank you for the hope that we have that's Jesus Christ And God. We ask you to empower us to be intentional, to not allow our faith to be private, but to live it out loud, drawing people to the gospel, sharing our hope in Jesus. Father, we love you, we praise you, and we thank you. Amen.